Shut up and sit down. Welcome to another episode of the Super Movie Studies Podcast. A community of super movie fans, teachers, and students, people looking to discover more about superheroes and the world, because both are awesome. I'm your comic culture host, Michael Maurer, joined by the movie maestro, James Schuyler Hutzma, and the scientific scholar, Ben Anderson. SMSP is your premier movie discussion podcast. Every week, we continue our journey, exploring our favorite subjects, superhero movies. Every fan sees the movie differently, so we gather some amateur experts to discuss certain aspects of the movie. Whether it's money, comic books, music, or science, SMSP talks about it all in this week's episode. My city. She's always there for me. Every lonely night, she's there for me. She's not some carded-up fraud all dressed up like a piece of jailbait. No, she's an old city, old and proud of her every pocket, crack, and wrinkle. She's my sweetheart, my plaything. She doesn't hide what she is, what she's made of. Sweat and muscle and blood of generations. She sleeps after midnight and until dawn, only shadows move in the silence. Damn, I've got no time for this. My city screams. She needs me. She is my love. She is my life. And I am her spirit. The spirit. And yes, there will be spoilers. Spoiler alert, this movie's terrible. There's not really anything to spoil in this movie, is there? <laughs> uh, it spoiled itself. By being what it is? By yeah. being a baby? A little baby movie? You know? It's got, it's like, it's like a two, it's like a little, little, little toddler movie. Remember when I called Fantastic Four an anti-movie? This kind of fits the bill. This, this kind of fits the bill. This feels like, watching this, I felt like... Like an extraterrestrial directed it. <laughs> but this alien has never actually seen a movie. He's just had movies described to him. <laughs> and then tried making his own. I feel as if this is like some sort of Sin City spin-off fan fiction. It is, by the guy who did Sin City. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So we've we've headlonged into first opinions, but I want to back it up real quick. New title. First official episode. With the new title. Hooray for Earth. <laughs> it's exciting. I know we've gone three, four episodes with us still saying SHMC, but now we are SMSP, Super Movie Studies Podcast. Which means there's hours of work ahead to change all the social media. Oh, please. We're going we're gonna to transfer all of that to the new website. Still on the way. <laughs> It will be tryopcop.com, though. 
All right. Someday. So just keep searching tryopcop.com and eventually something magical will appear. <laughs> when I'm awfully alone. All right. So moving on to uh, speaking of loneliness, this is how everyone felt after watching The Spirit. Uh, because that dude like hits it with every woman and then just hangs him out to dry right in front of him. The, okay, the most bizarre scene to me, speaking of how he treats women, was he like breaks into some girl's apartment and she's taking a shower, and he's like points his gun at her and he's he's like hands in the air or something, and then she's like, well okay, and puts her hands up and then drops the towel and he's like oh fuck, boobs, <laughs> like he'd never seen it before and was kind of nervous because this movie was like for eighth graders. <laughs> or eight year olds uh, did anyone else I was like, what do you expect you know I can't believe that you're this like suave womanizer if you freak <laughs> out when you see a boob <laughs> it's a boob of a childhood friend much less two of them <laughs> were they childhood friends yes that yeah. was the only coherent plot point of the film I feel like they didn't establish that very well if that point was lost on me during that scene. Please, they didn't establish anything very well because, yeah, this this movie, uh, what does it start with? Danny Colt come, coming back from his near-death experience or whatever, fighting crime, and the main plot is him versus his adversary of Octopus, the Octopus. And we don't really get what the hell the octopus is really after until like an hour and a half into the movie, and still it's not the most clear. But I did catch the sans serif Denny relationship somewhat. She sort of jumps the gun on hating cops after her father dies, but it's understandable. Guys, guys, everyone in this movie is fucking terrible. <laughs> like, hey. <laughs> like, I, I I think Sam Jackson did his best effort. Sam no. Jackson did the best he could with what he was given. <laughs> and um, came off just fucking awful because of it. Well, okay. he He's not a bad actor. No, no he's not. Whoever was, made this movie saw him in like Pulp Fiction, and it was like, oh man, a black dude who yells a lot. I need that to play the octopus. You know what? I honestly, like, it all, thinking about it more, it all comes down to direction you know not to be a snob and in, in in that all the pieces for a pretty good spirit film i think were there um but like the actors tried to do something completely different with each of their characters they were all acting with their own stories in mind and not really reacting to each other and the director didn't really catch up on that he's like hey can we have another cool floaty red tie effect Oh, speaking of director, um, this is the first and, as far as I know, only solo director uh, directorial effort by Frank Miller, and I can see why. <laughs> Frank Miller didn't do any other movies? I, I think he co-directed with Robert Rodriguez on um, Sin City, the first and one. Sin City 2? Probably, but as we can see, there's a world of difference between those these two movies. Yeah, I suppose. Um, this, so, yeah. This, I, I just want to add one more thing to First Opinions. This movie had the fastest, oh, Michael and Skyler, like, they don't really know this is going to be okay, to, 
oh, fuck, this is the worst thing I'm ever going to watch. Like, the, <laughs> the time between those two thoughts is about five seconds. <laughs> Uh, I loved I loved your comment, Ben, when when Sky was like, "Oh, I haven't seen this one in a while. Could someone send me a, a like like a copy of it or something?" And you're like, "Just look it up online. You don't need to. It's not considered pirating because it's not even a movie." <laughs> <laughs> it's I true. Actually, it's not. You're not pirating a movie. You're just watching some dumb shit. <laughs> I actually had never seen this one before. The recording, and uh, now I understand why. It's yeah. like my basic primordial instinct was like, stay away from the spirit. <laughs> and I was so, like, but why? Quick, now dis- I know. We have to give this disclaimer every time because we don't. I don't want to be the 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 three nerds who hate a film because it sucks or anything like that. We all just need to take a moment and appreciate the wonderful aspects of this movie. And what Frank Miller is so freaking talented at is the visuals in this film were striking. I'm going to have to say it. All right? Strikingly ugly. Oh, no. I thought the beginning scene. Yeah. This is why why I went from this is not going to be as bad as Michael says to this is going to be the worst thing ever. Because the very first scene is, like, visually interesting to look at. Yeah, when he's like running it's, across it's a, the rooftops and very, you know, the, all the silhouettes. Yeah, it's 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 a well shot little sequence. It's really creative too, because I've just never seen that look in a film. Like it's not animated, but it's it's not completely in the realm of reality either. Of course. Quite honestly, Sin City did it first, and Sin City did it better. That's true. Absolutely, yeah. I saw I saw Clive Owen scene in Sin City a lot with what the spirit was doing. I was like, do they even have the same sneakers? <laughs> yeah, as far as what the spirit was saying in that scene, it was just garble gook. Like, my city provides for me. She yeah, makes me whatever. toast in the morning and rubs my feet. And- <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, any any time you make the city a character, I think you've lost. Because no one, who the hell talks like that? My city. You need to do it carefully. Yeah, super carefully. No, <laughs> like not at all. <laughs> no, like like that was bad. But the moment where the spirit and the octopus meet up and just bash each other like a Looney Tunes cartoon was where I was like, nope, fuck this, nope. Yeah. Anything involving the octopus got a little bit too far out there for me. But let's move on to uh, how far out there is the spirit's potential earnings. I don't even... Did anyone look up the production budget on this thing? Literally like $5. <laughs> no, okay. It took a fair amount to um, do that all that fun, cool visual stuff. All right, so Spirit has a production budget of sixty million. So you no, know, it's it's a movie on a budget, whatever. Uh, as it stands, its domestic gross is nineteen point eight million. Foreign gross nineteen point two million, which brings you to a worldwide gross of thirty nine million. Hey, you know what? About eight bucks of that was my money. Did you actually see this in theaters? I went to go see this in theaters. I went with my buddy Shimo, and we thought it was going to be cool. We thought it looked really cool. 
Um, I hadn't actually seen Sin City before, but I mean, I was really interested in that style of cinematography and whatnot. But the same reaction, you know, this movie was actually worse the second time I watched it. Typically, I, I, I get a very sour opinion the first time I watch it, and the second time I can appreciate it better. This time it was so, so much worse. I don't know what it was. I think it was because I had to sit. I didn't realize how long this movie was. How long is this movie? An hour and 43 minutes, I'm pretty sure. Too I long. sat through the whole thing. No. Usually with I... a movie like this, I'll watch like the first 40 minutes or so and then like watch like a few random five-minute chunks because I'm like, this is bad and I get it. And I watched the whole thing because it was so bizarre. <laughs> it's like an art school project. Yeah, I started something. this movie up, got interrupted, and then restarted it again the next oh, night. Don't do that. Uh, so to That's relativize, two hours of my life gone. So to so to to bring into context those numbers, uh, the spirit was in theater for only four tiny weeks uh, and this it's it's grouped as a comic book adaptation uh, in that's mostly true I'll talk about that real quick in a bit but but there are a hundred and seven other films in box off mojo that classify as a comic book movie um, that have made more money than the spirit 107. Is one of them dread? Oh, also, probably not. But consider this as well. Movie came out uh, December of two thousand eight. There was another comic book movie that came out that month. Something a little n- known as Punisher Warzone. And despite the fact that the spirit is almost infinitely worse than that film, which is saying something, it still did better. Oh, well, it had a name like Frank Miller on it, and Gabriel mocked. <laughs> This felt like a movie that would come out in January. What are you talking about, Ben? Uh, all right. We're going to move on because this comic book section is one of the most taxing comic book sections I've ever had to do. Because I came into the spirit knowing nothing outside of the fact that it is considered a classic. It is considered by a lot of comic book fans the Citizen Kane of comic books. And what do I learn? The Spirit didn't even start as a comic book. It started as a seven-page comic strip, meaning it was published originally weekly in the Sunday papers as a means to compete with the ever-rising action comic books of the time. That's when Detective Comics and Action Comics started coming out. <sighs> you know, they're very they're very dated stories. That's a fact. Um, I won't say the stories get good until like seven years in, and that's just saying that's when the octopus shows up. <laughs> um, so, question: When you say that the stories are very dated, are they like the Spirit movie where it makes women just look stupid as hell? Um, yeah. As a as a yeah, I'll explain that. Um, with Alan Dolan because she was she's sort of dumbed down in that comic book, but but mostly it's dated because they're seven page stories. They're very short. There's not a lot of depth. They're very quick. They're very they can be fun. Um, there's some tremendous racism. 
simply with this side character called Ebony White, which was did not appear in the movie at all, but is a tremendous racial stereotype that appears in almost every other spirit comic book of just this black taxi driver with huge lips. Like, everyone is drawn like a real person except his black taxi driver. Oh. He's, he's drawn like like dopey. Would you say it's worse than Tintin? Oh, uh, yeah, probably. Okay. Uh, just, that sounds worse than Tintin. Just because of Ebony White. That's really it. Um, they don't. They don't really boast that when they hand out the Eisner Awards at the end, whenever they do. Yeah, then that's a thing. Cause, cause the the spirit is Will Eisner's biggest baby. Will Eisner is super famous in the comic book community. He is considered a legend for his ability to elevate the art of comic book making. Um, he's challenged the medium so that each panel has adds meaning to a story. Like like people have figured out a classification method for how panels are drawn. Um, if you read Scott McCloud's or Clouds, Scott McCloud's uh, How to Understand Understanding Comic Books, he talks a lot about Will Eisner's methods. And there is rarely a basic headshot of like a character talking in the spirit. All the panels are dynamic element to them, different angled shots. Like he, he put a lot of effort into his art, not a whole lot into his story, but seven pages. Come on. You can't be expected to do. He got the, he got the job done and he did this for a decade, like every week too. This wasn't usually comic books come out once a month. The spirit came out every week. It was just there. It is in the paper. He did it. Um, so we're gonna move on to the characters of the Spirit movie, starting with Silken Floss, premiering in the Spirit number three fifty four in nineteen forty seven. She's been in a total of fifteen issues. By the way, all characters are writ- created, um, written and drawn by Will Eisner. Um, so this, so Silken Floss is a master surgeon. Literally, <laughs> her first appearance, she takes a transfusion from the spirit who just shows up during one of her operations, and and she puts that transfusion into the patient she's currently operating on as soon as she meets him. She's like, oh, hey, transfusion, what's your blood type? He doesn't even say what the, his blood type is. He just takes the blood. She just, all right, the spirit, we need to talk. And that's really Silken Floss in all general. And the movie... She's Octopus's right-hand man, and that appears in the comics as well. But I don't know about these these all the dopey guys that showed up in the movie that hold different names like Bozo and Huevo, uh, Huevo Rancheros. That was the, that was the one joke that logos. made me laugh. <laughs> when there there were the, like the two Tweedledee and Tweedledum guys, and they were like Huevos Rancheros, and I was like, okay, that's <laughs> that's kind of that's humorous. I mean, that's the joke. Huevos Rancheros. Next character, Commissioner Dolan, or the character in the movie that said, God damn, every five seconds. Uh, He premieres with the spirit in spirit number one, June 2nd, 1940. He is the spirit's main confidant. Confidant. A no-nonsense, pipe-smoking, grizzled son of a bitch. Spirit's main source of what crimes need justicing besides the things that just sort of happen upon him on a regular day-to-day basis. <laughs> Not much to say about Dolan, uh, but there is a fair amount to say about his daughter, 
Ellen Dolan, who appears in the second Spirit comic book, number two. And it's a 1940s plot mechanism, so it's very simple. Her premiere is she visits her father at a mental ward with her fiancé, believes the story of one of the patients, mental patients, which is the spirit's last criminal catch, Dr. Cobra, and helps him escape because she's a moron, apparently. Spirit later saves her and then uh, gives her a she's all that makeover where he just takes off her glasses and lets her hair down and he says, you're welcome, future fiancé, because your wife is now smoking hot thanks to the spirit. And I'm going to take my reward. And he kisses her right on the lips and then she cancels the engagement. (laughs) Well, she doesn't cancel it, but I mean... Um, and eventually Ellen Dolan becomes obsessed with winning the heart of the spirit. She causes situations where she becomes a damsel in distress, distress, and he has to come rescue her. She doesn't stay this way, all right? Times change. People move forward. Ellen Dolan gains some very solid dignity. She eventually establishes her own independent uh, detective agency. And runs for the candidacy of Central City Mayor, wins, and becomes her father's boss. So she's she she she's gone a lot. She moved a lot farther from oh hello sorry soul I believe everything you say because I'm in a mental institution. Good for her. <laughs> and in the movie, Sarah Paulson deserves so much more. <laughs> I don't know what the hell was going on with Ellen Dolan in the movie because she loves the spirit. She hates the spirit. She calls – she looks older than Commissioner Dolan in the movie, which freaked me out because she called him daddy. Yeah, more on that later. Okay. Uh, next character, Sand Seraph in The Spirit number 3. Not the actual number 3 comic book published – it's when the spirit was re-ish, renumbered into a five-issue comic miniseries in the 50s, 1952, that spirit number three. <laughs> um, the movie's pretty on point with her, actually. Uh, the two characters grew up together. Denny's uncle indirectly caused the death of her beat cop father. She becomes convinced that her father would still be alive if it weren't for him being a cop. Therefore, she vows to hate all cops forever. Uh, falls into a life of crime with frequent armed robberies, has run-ins with the spirit, um, and they sort of, you know, fall in and out of love together because our love can never be because you're a criminal. And she's like, I'm too broken to love someone who's as good as you, a freaking vigilante. Uh, And she knows who the spirit's real identity is, one of the, like, only two, three characters who actually do throughout the whole series. And she's never given it up. And that's sort of like her her claim to grace in the series. <laughs> you mean just beyond literally liking shiny things as her motivation? That was in the movie. And you know what? I think they should have pushed more that she wanted to get out of the town and not that she was obsessed with shiny things. Because it's a bit more relatable to be like, I hate this town that I live in because I'm a teenager and my dad died in this town, so I want to leave it. Um, yeah, that's a motivation I can get behind. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what she was doing in this movie, why she did anything. <laughs> it's true. She was trying to get the Golden Fleece because she was obsessed with Jason and the Argonauts. 
Um, next character, the octopus, premiered in Spirit number 376, 1947. We're six years into weekly publications of the Spirit. The octopus is Spirit's arch nemesis. His real name is Zitzboth Zark. The octopus is never seen. His face is never seen, never drawn. The only thing ever visible in a drawing are his purple gloves with stripes and maybe his eyes sometimes. Um, instead of a master scientist in the movie, obsessed with immortality, he's actually a master of disguise. Hence, no one's ever seen his real face. Uh, one of the few characters in spirit stories to actually knock the whimsy right out of it. The octopus equals dire conflict for the spirit, being the root of Denny's very few darker story arcs, um, and actually arcs in general, because he's a recurring villain. Of A lot of villains don't really recur outside of Silk and Floss, Dr. Cobra, and the octopus. Why does everything about the literary octopus sound so much goddamn better than... What we got in the movie. Because I don't think Sam Jackson read a spirit comic book, and um, he wasn't. it wasn't essential for him to need to, and you need to see an actor's face. You could get away with not seeing Sam Jackson's face and still being intimidated by him. I, I, there wasn't direction is the thing. I think that's really what it was. Like, if you're going to pay however many million dollars to get Sam Jackson in your movie so you can put his name on the poster so that people mm -hmm. will come to see your pile of schlock, you have to show his face. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, unless you're Carl Urban in Dread. Or Hugo Weaving in V for Vendetta. And finally, we're moving on to the big final character, the spirit, premiering in The Origin of the Spirit. The spirit number one, 1940. Denny Colt, real name, was a criminologist going after a mad scientist named Dr. Cobra. In a confrontation with Cobra, a chemical vet spilled all over Denny's face, seemingly killing him. Actually, it just put him in a death-like suspended animation. He claws his way out of the grave, slaps on a domino mask, blue trench coat, and red tie, and starts fighting crime outside of the law's reach, calling himself the Spirit. With the help of Commissioner Dolan, the spirit becomes a feared name among criminals. Uh, that's the premise of pretty much the pilot, or the very first comic strip of the spirit, uh, condensed after I read it from the library. <laughs> um, and to settle something, this is something that deeply confused me, because in the movie, the spirit's immortal, and so is the octopus. And you're kind of like, why and how? It's very poorly, the most poorly thing explained in the film. In the original books, the spirit has no superpowers. He's just a really talented, intelligent, athletic guy who happens to be really lucky, too. But throughout the years, because this character has lasted so long and done so much crazy crap, that... It's very underhandedly hinted at that the chemical spill that caused that suspended animation actually gave him superpowers, like some super strength, endurance, speed, and wit, because the sum of the crap he pulls off is just unreal. Um, and he never appears to age 
Well, a few characters like Ellen Dolan sort of grow up around him. I have a couple, I think I used to have a couple examples of ridiculousness. He had a flying car. Uh, he lives in a cemetery. Um, of course. Uh, Does he, he have all those cats around him? No, no, not as many cats. Let's move on to a different section because I'm done. Okay, so that uh, naturally means that music is up next, uh, which for this one is just going to be quick and dirty. I apologize, but just trying to find uh, music from the Spirit score by uh, David Newman. Cousin to Randy Newman and brother to Thomas Newman is exhausting. So Why didn't you just play uh, some songs by Randy Newman instead? Was that an option? <laughs> Anything that has yeah, the word. You got all this cat octopus. The only track I have on the docket for today is uh, Spirit Kisses Sand. And the uh, just to kind of overview the music of the spirit, it is exactly as... Uh, ham-fisted, over-the-top, and just strange as the movie it accompanies. Let's take a listen. Spirit kisses sand. Um, yeah, uh, It sounds okay. This this song, this track, sounds like something a, a music critic would reference as this person's early work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There were there were so many points in this movie where I was like, I was listening to the music and it's like this is the most white bread banal attempt at you know the baseline of a superhero score I could even imagine. It, it sounds like um, back when I used to, I had Finale Notepad on my parents' computer in like <laughs> eighth grade, and I was just kind of messing around. I'm familiar with this program. Yeah. And like it's just, I wrote a couple like eight bars of just total schlock. And I was like, hey, this is kind of cool. The horns come in, they grow, and they fade out, and then we tinkle. Doo, 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 doo. Yeah, it's it sounds perfunctory, like everything about this movie. Are you, you sure you don't have at I'm least one more mean. track for us? I want one more. I do. I really, really do. If you want, we can play the Christina Aguilera song that was written for this movie. Yeah. What? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. I was I might have thought about playing that at the end, but you know, I'll play something else at the end. Play a different part of the song. We could at the play end. um we could play a clip from the two thousand two Disney movie Spirit. <laughs> Wait, doesn't that have a subtitle? Dalian yeah. of the Cimarron or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And it was also DreamWorks motherfucker. <laughs> oh, well Okay. Fair. Fair is fair. 
Uh, give me. A but hey, we would that. actually get to play Hans Zimmer music in that mu- in that instance. So. Oh my God, Hans Zimmer did an animated movie. <laughs> oh yeah, it's pretty good. The one movie, the one movie he won the Oscar for was The Lion King. <laughs> well, of course, The Lion King's a sweep. Um, but but what, what? How far in should I play this song? Uh, I I haven't listened to it honestly. Life's too short. Let's just go right to one minute and start from there. That'll be our timestamp. One minute. Okay. Legit. Um, I think there's some there's some really good melody to that one. You get rid of that garage band kick drum and weird doom doom sound in the back, and you got something good going for you. You make it a better song, <laughs> and it'll be a better song. Um, I think I think with a little tweaking and the spirit being a really good movie, that could have been a pop hit. Simply because it's got a really big James Bondy theme vibe to it. You know which uh, that song really needed? It needed like sound clips from the movie just dropped in at random times. Like <laughs> I'm the octopus. I got everything. This city, my city. She provides falling for me. <laughs> Silken Floss is the most beautiful woman in the world. <laughs> oh, that might have been my favorite line of the movie. <laughs> oh, oh, no, no, no. My favorite is no egg on my face. Not no a single egg. glob. <laughs> um, did they, does that, that Christine Aguilera song appear at end credits, beginning credits? Near death? Probably late end credits. Mm, okay. That was a promotional song, right? Pretty sure, yeah. So. Okay. Well, it's still... You know what? I think that's a good song. I really like the vibe of that song, but I gotta... Man, that, that those underbeats were childish. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least something good can be gleaned from this movie and its music section. Okay. So if we're all done with music, let's take a step forward into the future. No. <laughs> we all did our due diligence, Ben. It's I know. Time for you I to know. talk for like eight minutes about something. All right. Uh, all right. I'm looking at the outline. We got uh, reanimation. We mm-hmm. can start with that one. Okay. Let's start with reanimation because this film dealt a lot with dying and coming back to life. Yes. Uh, reanimation is uh, a 2002 album by Linkin Park. Uh, it primarily features uh, re- remixes of songs 
um, remixes and bonus tracks of songs from Hybrid Theory. Okay, that did answer my question. Uh, second question. <laughs> Just think about it if it's, as if you were talking about Frankenstein. All right, give a, yeah, a okay. better context to this. Right, so... The idea of bringing artificial or, like, dead tissue back to life. Yeah, so it can't really be done. Like, there's, like, CPR and, like, defibrillators and stuff. So if, like, you're clinically dead... Um, they can, like, shock you and start your heart back up. But that's not really what this is about. Once you're dead, you're going to be dead forever. Sorry. Like, there's... Brain death, specifically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no... There's not even anything um, science fiction-y in the works of how to to cheat death, you know. Because people can, people can be proclaimed critically dead, which is what the the... The halting of heart movement? Oh, there's all kinds of, like, different definitions and gradations for different levels of death. Mm -hmm. So there's, like, your heart stops is one, and another is um, you don't have any brain activity. Mm -hmm. And another one is, like, you've had no brain activity for long enough that... Um, you could not be brought back without permanent brain damage. Oh. Um, and there's one that's, you are, like, your brain's been off for so long, like, you haven't had oxygen, oxygen to your brain uh, for so long that, um, oh, how does it work? You know what, Ben? Yeah. This has gotten boring. Let's move on to the next one. Yeah, topic. I agree. <laughs> let's 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 skip this one here and 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 go yeah. to the one more closely related with death because uh and, and near death experiences uh from a from a from a scientific standpoint and because this movie dealt a lot with um if you die uh you see this lady mm-hmm. uh, Jamie King uh what was her name in the movie Lorelai Yeah or something yeah, and like instead of calling her Lady Death, he called her Lorelai, and we have no idea why he called her Lorelai. Yeah. Um, it's confusing, very confusing point of the film. It's a very confusing movie. Uh, anything that dealt with... Cops and sailors can hear her. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so what? what is what is recorded near-death experience has been like? So a, a near-death experience is some people, um, like drowning victims, uh, people who you know, go into cardiac arrest, um, some of them report uh, hallucinations type of thing. You know, in, in like as they're dying, they like see visions, flashes of light, people, whatever. Um, they're hard to study because... They're basically all self-reported, and it would be hard to say, we want to study this, so we're going to, you know, shock people's hearts and then bring them, like, unshock them and then have them talk about what they saw. That would not pass the, the human subject review board. Uh, so not a whole lot is known about them or the mechanism that causes it. But has been there, like, a common theme of, like, do they see darkness? Do they see light? Uh, um, do they see figures? Um, does everybody say life flashing before your eyes? From from what I've read, which is not a lot, and like I said, it's not all 
super reliable. Um, but it's like light and figures and usually like tied to the person's religious beliefs. If really? they have yeah, if if you have strong religious beliefs then they they like, Oh, I saw an angel. Wow. So oh. that's proof God exists and you know, a skeptic like me would be like, or um, counter proposal, since you have a strong religious faith, you were just hallucinating and then saw what you expected. Like your brain interpreted this because that's in your schema. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so near-death experiences, they happen. They're not well understood. Well, yeah. I'm just yeah. trying to gleam if, if, if we've discovered anything enlightening outside of people tend to see what they wanted to see. Um, yeah, basically. And, you know, a lot of people wanted to see angels, and so we've got a, a fair amount of reports of angels. But most mm-hmm. people just wanted to see light. Yeah. I just want to see a world where this movie doesn't exist. <laughs> uh, I just want to see women. Yeah, so like the spirit seeing some woman is not that surprising because that's like his primary motivation. Yeah. In this I movie. Did, I did like that quote from the film. I thought when it was actually getting it has its shiny moments where he's like people say your life flashes before your eyes when you're near death. That didn't do that for me. All I see is women. And it just shows the like the pictures of all the women in the movie. And I'm like, you know what? That's pretty neat. Granted, like these women have no depth, and it's a it comes off as a little misogynistic. Yeah, but but like it like that gives a lot of uh, that actually explains the 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 spirit a bit more artistically as you know a womanizer of just like I don't see light or anything at the end of a tunnel. I just see all these beautiful women that I've loved in my life. Um, and you're like you're he's a big slut, but um, <laughs> it's, it's true. But he, it's cause, true. Because <laughs> because uh, okay, let's go to the last topic, and yep. this one's just for fun because we needed topics. And in in the movie, we have Octopus trying to get his hands on the blood of Heracles. The correct pronunciation of Hercules from Greek yep. instead of Roman. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just a little fun factoid. Uh, and I'm sure every nerd listening to this already knew that. Um, and he wants to get the blood because the blood's going to mix with his already immortal serum thing. He tested on the spirit and then put himself. It's going to mix with that, and he's going to become truly immortal, whatever the upgrade may be. Yeah, I guess immortality is non-binary in whatever universe the spirit takes place in. And oh, speaking of that, real quick sidetrack, um, what year was this movie supposed to be based in? Like the 30s, but they have cell phones and the internet. So <laughs> What was going on? Anyway, that sidetrack being done, the blood thing got me thinking as a science topic. Do you ever ingest blood, like drink it, for any sort of medicinal purpose? Or is that just kind of 
sick and gross, and it's weird that I thought that way. Um, animal blood um, is is a common ingredient in many cuisines. Um, it's nutritive. It has a high iron content. It tastes all right if you prepare it properly. Um, drinking other humans' blood is a good way to spread disease, if that's what you're into. Um, I actually looked up medicinal uses of blood because I was curious, and the World Health Organization has like an 80-page document about the medicinal uses of blood, and it's basically transfusions. Yeah. You know, to treat malaria, AIDS, um, bone marrow loss, um, obviously like like trauma. Yeah, blood's got to go into blood. I'm, yeah. Blood can't, like, what, like, the blood going through your digestive system is sort of messed up, and it just, it gets... Yeah, unless you're, like everything unless else. you're eating it. Unless you're using it actually as a food source, you know, like blood pudding. Oh. Explain blood pudding real quick for people who don't know and we're like, oh, gross, what? It's basically a sausage, and the main component, instead of being meat, is like coagulated animal blood. Okay. Still kind of gross, but acceptable. I guess it tastes good. I've never had it. Mm. Okay. That's, you know what, that's the most interesting thing we've come up with today is the medicinal purposes of blood through your digestive system. You know what? That factoid is more interesting than that entire movie. Yeah. Uh, so, done with science, Ben? Anything itching your brain still? Anything no. you want to get off your chest, like uh, like, 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 like incest? Uh, thoughts that you had dealing with Ellen and oh. Mr. Dolan? Yeah. I didn't pick up on the fact that they were actually father-daughter. So when she started calling him daddy, I got really uncomfortable and almost stopped watching on general principle. <laughs> you know what? I'm I'm in that same boat. Um and but I was thinking like, did she just call him daddy as like a turn of the phrase? Like, you know, like, what's up, daddy o? Like kinda kind of kind of a set, but but then she kept doing it. And I'm like, this woman like, they didn't make the age difference very clear at all. Yeah, if she actually looked younger than him, I would have figured it out sooner. But it was uh, it was well into the movie. After they had, they had a few exchanges of dialogue, before anyone says, or b- before he says, no daughter of mine, and I'm like, oh my god, okay, it's not a creepy fetish <laughs> thing. Thank god, because... With this crusty old man... <laughs> And, and thank God, because it, I was really uncomfortable during those scenes. And I was really uncomfortable with Paz Vega's purpose in this entire movie. Yeah. As the French seductress that the octopus clearly should have kept reins on because she betrayed him. Yeah. Because why would you put a woman in front of the spirit when you know that dude is just going to woo her? For some reason. He's not even that charming. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of charming, you can get pretty charming after you've completed the spirit drinking game. And that game has rules that we're going to tell you about right now. Who wants to start us off on drinking game rules for Frank Miller's The Spirit? Uh, I'll, I'll do one. Um... Well, I, I mean, besides every time she calls him daddy, and it's weird <laughs> and creepy, 
Um, drink to forget. <laughs> drink to forget. Um, anytime a cat appears for no reason, and like Jim Halpert's the camera. <laughs> Just stares at it. <laughs> Just like stares directly at the camera and meows. <laughs> um, take a drink. Take a improbable. Okay. Um, every time a character pulls out an improbably large item out of the air, take an improbably large drink <laughs> in like proportion to how large that item is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say every time. Oh, 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 no, no, no. Get yourself a bottle of Kraken. Take a shot of it for whenever Samuel Jackson does eight of anything. Or has eight of anything, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Take a drink of Silken Floss is the most beautiful woman in the world. <laughs> she definitely is, man. Uh... <laughs> I'm going to steal this one from you, Ben. Take a drink every time you catch yourself saying, uh, was that the joke? Yeah, that happens a lot in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> like when the spirit gets hit in the crotch during this fight scene mm-hmm. was that and then the throws a toilet at the octopus and is like oh toilets are funny <laughs> is that the joke oh that's the joke oh boy okay open another one take a drink every time there's an abrupt tonal shift oh please we don't want to kill our listeners um, and we remind you, everyone, maybe, to drink responsibly. If they're if they're if they're watching this movie, maybe maybe they do, and I do too. I'm not <laughs> exempt. Anyone who supports this schlock, oh man, just, you know there there is no forgiveness. You know what? I'm I'm done. I'm out of drinking game rules. If you guys want to rapid fire some, go ahead. But I I'm fed up spending another minute. On this movie. Yeah, looks like that'll do it for today, super fans. Let's do the end wrap up then. Looks like that'll wrap it up today. Super fans. Super Movie Studies is recorded and produced by the fictional and yet to be realized in any capacity Triop Cop Productions. If you like what you hear, show us your support by rating us on iTunes. No matter what media changes we do behind the scenes, we will always be available on iTunes, and that is where you can find us and rate us and download our episodes. And if you want to talk about any of these episodes with us, we want you to talk about it on our subreddit, reddit.com slash Club. That's going to change. We're going to build a new one. The URL will be... Something. You know what? I don't. I think we're just gonna move the subreddit to the website. Yeah. Um, I'd rather have that. Have just like a forum kind of setup. Yeah, that makes of, a lot. That makes a lot more sense. But uh, archived episodes—they're all on uh, the Reddit Superhero yeah. Movie Club. You know, we could we could just we could. I want to say what other material we can promote that you can just talk about, Ben, because I don't want to take away your talking point. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> we'll think of something before next week. Skyler, what's the last thing they can do? Unfortunately, Skyler's having technical difficulties, but what's 
bless our lucky stars that they're not becoming serious until the end of the show. Uh, but Ben, take us away on our last social media plug. SMSP also keeps up an active Twitter feed at SuperheroMC. Again, that also might change in the future. We'll let you know when it does. Uh, follow us there. Send us your questions, comments, concerns, and suggestions. We'll use them on the air. You know what? It's going to change by the time this episode comes out. I'm going to talk to Twitter Tom. We'll have a new Twitter handle for you next week when we do Star Wars The Force Awakens. Yeah! Star Wars! Star Wars! Is that a comic book movie, you say, Michael? Is it a superhero movie? To which I say, fuck you, it's close (laughs) enough. There are Star Wars comic books. There's plenty of them. There you go. Star Wars. Some of the current ones are actually quite good too. Yes, Star Wars. Oh, Star Wars is owned by Disney. Disney also owns Marvel Publishing. Marvel publishes Star Wars comic books. The thread is there, and I'm taking full advantage of it because it's a Marvel movie. It's a Marvel movie. (laughs) In some ways. Not really, but we'll take it. Um, that'll do today. I'm your host, Michael Maurer. James Skyler Holtzma. And I'm Ben Anderson. <laughs> Spot on impression, Ben. Was it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, I hope you all have a super week. <laughs> Bye. Love's always been my king. Playing it how I may I was made that way I can't help it